Welcome to the Storycraft Cafe. Come in, grab a cup of your favorite beverage, and get ready to join the storytelling conversation. Storycraft Cafe is brought to you by Dabble, the ultimate cloud-based fiction writing software. Here we're going to bring together storytellers from all walks to encourage and empower you to craft your best story. NaNoWriMo is coming up very soon in November, and we're going to be hosting a special Preptober event to help you learn all about Dabble and how it can help you get ready for NaNoWriMo. Join us over at storycraft.cafe or dabblewriter.com for more information. Now on to our interview. And we are live in the Storycraft Cafe. I am your host, Hank Garner. Today, I am really excited to have Deborah Ledford on the show with me. She's got an amazing new book. If you're listening to this live, it went uh, it went live about a week ago. It was last Friday, I believe, Deborah. It's called Redemption, and it's the first book in the Ava Lightning Dance Duran book series um you had a uh a, another series a few years back that was wildly popular and it takes place in another part of the country but this shifts a little bit brings us in a new cast of characters and what a fun book this is redemption is available everywhere now deborah thank you for joining us today welcome Oh, thank you. I really appreciate this. This will be fun. Absolutely. Um, Deborah, we like to begin each show with kind of a fun question to kind of set the tone of the show. And that fun question is, what is your first memory of wanting to be a writer or storyteller? Probably sitting on the porch of my grandparents' house in western North Carolina in this Great Smoky Mountains. Um, that's where I spent all my summers growing up and really uh, learning the art of telling a great story. I mean, there's nothing like a southerner to tell a good story, right? Absolutely. I'm, I'm <laughs> from South Mississippi, so we uh-huh. we we cling uh, to our storytelling heritage, that's for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. So um, do do you remember um, specific cases of where were there certain types of kind of ongoing stories? Uh, was there a uh, local legends, uh, you know, that sort of thing that um, uh, that you remember or was this just kind of, you know, the the general Right. Well, I, I remember, I mean, my grandfather, of course, he was not boastful at all. I mean, he was, he was a charmer for sure. And, yeah. uh, but I remember, um, uh, for instance, my cousin and I, that's how I found out more about my grandfather, because my grandfather would talk about other people in the family or, you know, stories. He was a log man on the, on the, the railroad. And, and um, he and my grandmother had a, a boarding house uh, deep in the mountains and, you know, talking about how many, how many people she would have to feed and how many, how many pans of biscuits uh, would oh, yeah. be baked, you know, uh, for first time in the morning and then also to put in the lunches and then for dinner. So, um, uh, so really, you know, learning, learning about them, uh, it, it, I think that it really uh, infused 
in me um, the need for uh, learning about our families and and traditions and and um, they never spoke about uh, being um, being Eastern Band Cherokee. That was something that I learned much much later in my life. Um, I found a found a. Uh, a picture, picture, obviously, of a, of a, a full-blooded, you know, um, Native American woman holding a baby, and and uh, found out the baby was my grandfather, and uh, oh, wow. but nobody really had too many answers about about the woman, uh, about my my great grandmother. Um, it's it's a mystery that that will never be solved, and you know maybe that's part of 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 why I like to write Native American mysteries is is that you know there's information that's that's lacking and. Uh, and the stories that are told and the learning through the stories are so important to our culture. The, um, the, the Cherokee heritage of the Eastern side of the deep South uh, is, is something that is um, increasingly being lost um, where I live. We have a, a huge, um, Choctaw Indian reservation, just about 30 miles uh, down the road here. And, um, you know, and over the last few decades, we've seen a lot of the changes that have happened with uh, with Uh-oh. Native American reservations and the mm-hmm. uh, uh, the casino culture that's, you know, come in and, you know, a, a lot of change there. Uh, but the Cherokee heritage is uh is something that's increasingly kind of being watered down, kind of washed away from our uh, from our southern heritage. Uh, when you discovered that and started asking questions, um, were you able to to get anything out of you know the the uh, the older people in your family or to piece together some of this history? Not too much. I mean, I, I, my mother remembers uh, her grandmother, certainly. Uh, but, they, you know, back back then, you know, nobody really thought about it. Um, it's very obvious that my grandfather certainly is is at least half <laughs> half Cherokee from his his coloring and so forth. Um, yeah. And his manner of being his, you know, very quiet, quiet, you know, command of of the area and himself and his being well-being. Uh, uh, but no, I didn't, you know, I, you know, when you're young, you don't really think about that kind of thing. And then when you yeah. get older, it's too late. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I kind it, of, uh, one of the reasons why I, I, I connected so much with my, my contacts on the Taos Pueblo reservation, which is where this, where redemption takes place. Right. But it also, I, I introduced it in my first series, the, this, um, Smoky Mountain Inquest series in book two snare, um, that also takes place on the Taos Pueblo. So, so. I, I, I don't know. I guess maybe I, I I live a little bit vicariously through through the contacts that I've met and the stories that that they have have gifted me with. It's so funny um, that when you're younger and <laughs> the older members of your family are around for you to kind of pick out your heritage, most young folks are just not interested and it's so funny that when you start getting around middle age and your own children start growing up and then grandchildren start showing up heritage all of a sudden matters so much more right you know, it's, it's so true you know, it's it's that old that old saying you know about uh youth being wasted on the young you know that <laughs> 
I completely agree. (laughs) Yeah. Do I understand correctly that you worked in the movie and and television business? Mm -hmm. Tell me about your history there and how that came about. Right. That was, um, so I started out as a, as a, um, an oil and, and canvas artist. I've, and a photographer. I've always, I've always been involved in the, in the, in the arts in some manner. Um, so at college, it was kind of, kind of, I, I was, I knew I wanted to be a psychology minor. Uh, and so I decided, you know, go to, go to the community college to, to get, uh, take care of those, uh, you know, easy credits. Yeah. Um, and I kind of parked, I walked in and, and I said, I wonder what that, what that building is. And it kind of, it just drew me to it. Uh, and I walk around the corner and the doors open and there's a woman standing there with her hands on her, on her, you know, on her hips, you know, as if she's waiting for me. And it, it turned out to be the, um, Kim Williamson, who was the designer, uh, award-winning designer. And, um, and art scenic artist and, and, and builder. And she got very excited and knew I could paint and, and build. And, um, we proceeded then to, to work on, I don't know, it was probably four productions there. And then, and then wow. I stage managed a, a lot of dance, um, dance concerts and, and short plays and so forth and so on. And then I started getting paid real money to be on set to uh, professionally paint, um, see, you know, sets for, uh, primarily at the beginning, it was, um, it was trade, uh, trade, um, films, you know, the, yeah. like Intel and, uh, and Motorola, where I had to get the security government security clearance. And it was a little odd. Um, <laughs> probably my biggest fame to claim is, um, uh, is the, is, oh gosh, what is it? It's the Coen brothers. The raising um, Arizona. Yes. Thank you. I, I blanked <laughs> out right there. I, I blanked out. Um, yeah. And that was a lot of fun. I was not a, you know, as Arizona is a right to work state. I was not a union member. So I, unfortunately I did not get any, any title credit at the end, which is really, really sad. Um, but, uh, it was a lot of fun. I really, really enjoyed it. What sort of, what sort of work, uh, when, when someone uh, like me, who's completely ignorant of that process, when when you hear someone talk about painting sets and things like that for a motion picture, what, what does that entail? Um, are, are these interior shots that you're, uh, what, I, I, I'm I'm completely ignorant of the process. Please please help me understand. Right. Well, there's a there's an art art director who I work directly with. So. So they, he, he tells me where to go. <laughs> um, my paint is, is already, is already, uh, um, purchased. So I just put it in my truck and I go to the location. Um, sometimes it's, it, you know, it's strictly, um, they want you to, uh, to, to age the, um, prison bars, you know, in the prison right. cell or, uh, add texture to such and such for stage. It's, it's much different. I mean, it's, 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 uh, I mean, I was generally always the, the lead painter, so I, I knew exactly what needed to be done. And, by, you know, hitting those deadlines because, you know, you have to be done and yeah. you don't even get the stage until midnight when the actors are off. So mm-hmm. <laughs> so the pressure is really, really on. And, the night. And, oh, yes. Always, always. So it was kind of, um, uh, you know, 
making it making it work, which helped me in writing because I yeah. never missed a deadline and uh, I don't plan to. Uh, and I think that helped me help train my brain and uh, the responsibility aspect of, hey, this is really important. People are counting on you. Just get it done. Yeah, I am uh, of the mind that a writer um, collects life experiences uh, as they go along. And every person that you meet, every story that you hear, every, um, you know, interpersonal conflict that you are a part of, you know, finds a way into your writer toolbox at at some point or another. Um, And I also believe that every creative endeavor add some sort of tool to your toolbox and uh, in your time working, uh, you know, as a, as a set designer or, you know, uh, do you, do you ever pull anything from there that, that other people might think, well, you know, what does that have anything to do with Mm -hmm. writing? But are there tools that you picked up along that way? Sure. I mean, experience is so key. That's why I love to love research going to the location so that I can convey what I'm seeing. Uh, for the stage element um, in snare, uh, I used quite a bit because um, one of the one of the characters, uh, she is a, a scene art, scenic artist, a student. So when there's a there's a big uh, um, uh, climax that happens on stage. So I'm able to really walk the reader around what happens on stage, what is on stage, what's above the stage. Um, and so unless you can see that and experience it, I mean, Google's great, you know, the, the walking tours and so forth, but, but when you can feel, feel it and smell it and, 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 can convey, you know, even the atmosphere, how the, how the air feels, uh, is it's gold. I mean, it's, and yeah. it's, it can flow th- from you and through you rather than you reading about how I now see it, you know, one dimensional on the computer. Right. And now I have to now convey what I'm seeing. Whereas I've lived it, I've experienced it. Here it is. It's a gift, a gift that, that I hope I'm giving to the reader as well. Right. And that that's such a great point um, that you bring up Deborah, because um, I, I think, People that are especially new to writing think that well, I can use Google Street View or something and I can I can add all of this detail that I see. And the more detail I can add, the better it's going to be. But a lot of times, a, a lot of the detail that you're bringing in. It stays in your mind, but you sort of sift through that and you look for those little pieces, those little experiences that will bring that to the forefront and really make the the story pop. It's not about how much paint you can throw on the canvas to use that metaphor, but it's it's. It's almost the economy and the the using the the information, uh, you know, against information we already know that it, it's that little something that just makes it come alive that right. and then the reader fills in the rest a lot of times. 
I agree. I agree. And, and, you know, turning left one way, turning right another way. I mean, in some ways that's, that's interesting, I suppose, especially if they want to, if the reader, you know, if they read about the Taos Pueblo and they want to go, uh, that that's going to be helpful for them, but it's, it's, it's the journey that we want to convey, not necessarily how to get there. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Great point. Um, where did the Smoky Mountain uh, Inquest series come from? So you're, you're working, um, you know, in in stage production, movie production. When did the the idea that that you had a novel in you and, uh, you know, much less a novel series? How, how did that come about? Well, I mean, uh, that's a good question, um, <laughs> because I started out really writing screenplays um, because, and, and that's where I believe the, the visual aspect of me conveying, you know, what is going on visually that, that helped me a lot uh, because I, I know you've got to, you've really got to be very, very sparing with what you're going to, what, what you're conveying um, with the, with the screenplay. It's, it's all about the dialogue. So I was able, that's, that's kind of why it was such a pleasure doing, doing books and screen, I mean, and, and short stories is that, Hey, now I can, now I can show you what I'm talking about. <laughs> Not just what the characters are, you know, are speaking of. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I've met a number of uh, frustrated actors, um, <laughs> especially that become novelists and, um, you know, for, for many different reasons, but, but one reason has to be that, uh, you know, you go from being a part of a production where you have a limited scope of responsibility to basically being the God of this world where, you know, you have control over everything. And, uh, you know, while writing and publishing is a collaborative process or at least becomes a collaborative process toward the end when you bring in editors and publishers and, you know, uh, all of that sort of thing for the vast majority of the project. It's just you and your keyboard. Um, was there ever that sort of, uh, kind of the, the creative freedom to just have control over everything? That's the, uh, I love that. I mean, because I can be the set designer, I can be the director, I can, I can right. plan the blocking. I, you know, it, it's not merely, you know, the dialogue or the locations or anything. It, it's setting up the entire world. It's world building. It really is world building. And that's really exciting um, and challenging and a little scary sometimes. <laughs> but, um, but that's, that is what I love about it. And you're right. It is, com- it is, com- uh, it's collaborative because I write police procedurals and I do my very best to convey real world situations, which means I have, I have very good relationships with, with former police officers. A really good friend is the head of um, the crime scene uh, technicians for the Scottsdale police department. Um, I've I've got her on speed dial, let's just say. (laughs) And um, so it, it really is important to get it right. It just is. And then I've got another, another officer who, who vets all of my, um, my firearms, you know, I pick out, Hey, I think this character would like this gun. Can you check it out? And, um, and see if it's, see if I've got my, you know, my, my, my logistics and my, you know, my specs proper, so forth and so on. Yeah. 
The the settings uh, of your books seem to be very, um, very important to you, um, and they're they're interesting settings. Uh, you know, the North Carolina for your first series, and now the the desert Southwest for for your your new series uh, coming up. Um, why did you choose these settings other than? You were familiar with North Carolina and that, uh, but it, it, the interesting politics and not only politics, but the cross-cultural um, kind of collision um, that happens around these interesting places. Can you talk about that just a little bit? Right. I knew that I, I wanted to, I needed to find a tribe that wasn't Cherokee and preferably where I could get to, to actually do the research. Um, so I looked at all the tribes in, in New Mexico and in Arizona, which is where I am. And, um, you know, the Navajos have been covered by Hillerman. Thank you. And, uh, so I, I wasn't going to touch that. And so then I was looking at all the Pueblo regions there there are you know more than one pueblo tribe in in new mexico and then i found out about the um the uh the taos pueblo which is just north of 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 taos new mexico and i thought well that looks really interesting because i mean the ancient dwellings on the village there are two of them the north house and the south house are over a thousand years old um so they were known and yet not uh i mean they're recognizable let's say but not really known to readers i had i don't remember ever reading anything about that location at all um, then I found out that it was, you know, accessible to tourists and my husband and I went and and uh, proceeded to fall in love with the area uh, kind of by accident met who would who would later become my contact, my main contact there. Um, who was We went on a horseback ride, you know, on the on the reservation. And and this gentleman, his name is is uh, is Floyd Gomez. He wasn't even supposed to be there. And it, it just, you know, it kind of clicked. It felt right. Um, I felt at home. I felt uh, I felt respected and and primarily because we were so respectful as well. So it really went on to become a really close relationship with with a number of the the contacts there who I, you know, I, I, st- I treasure to this day. Wow. Um, what did you learn about life and um, the way things work on a reservation that might surprise listeners or readers that that are not familiar with the way things work there were, were there things that you learned that um just took you by surprise or or you thought oh this is going to make a great plot point for this novel probably the language uh, for the Taos Pueblo, they don't write down their language. It's all really. It's all yeah. It's an it's an oral, oral. language. Mm-hmm. And so any words that I do use, I have to, I spell out phonetically. <laughs> I check with my contacts. Okay, now ha- say it very slowly, <laughs> so I can tap it out with with the uh, you know, <laughs> and and make sure that people understand what's being conveyed, even though it's not necessarily spelled correctly. Do you know? Sure. Uh, sure. So so probably that. Um, I was, uh, for my first book or, or it was after my first book, but it was another trip before this, this particular, before redemption research. But, um, I had the honor of, of, uh, going with Floyd, um, to, uh, to, 
to Albuquerque. There was uh, something about education. It was the head of education for the for the for the schools, and uh, because Floyd wanted to start a, a um, uh, you know pretty much save save the language. Uh, save save the language program and I looked over in the it was a private meeting just there were only three or four of us in the room with this gentleman and I looked over and there was a whiteboard and it had and I recognized um I, I recognized names of uh of tribes in New Mexico and there were a couple that uh names of tribes I wasn't familiar with but there would be a zero like a red zero or a red one and I asked, I said, what does, what does the, what do the numbers mean? And, and he said, well, unfortunately this, this means uh, for this tribe, there is no one who speaks the language, the original language anymore. And that, and on the other one, wow. there is one elder remaining. So, so their full intent at that time, not full intent, but I mean, certainly one of, one of the, yeah. the top things they wanted to do was um, really to record uh, oral um, speaking and words and so forth. So that at least, at least their original language is, you know, wasn't lost completely. So, so that's the main thing is just the, the need for the, for, to, to learn and to teach uh, the native tongues of, of, of the tribes. Um, not, not only in Arizona, but I'm, I'm sure that this, I mean, in, in New Mexico, but I'm sure that this happens in the smaller tribes all over the nation. Wow. Um, over the last several years, I've gotten to know Craig Johnson, who writes the Longmire mystery series, and he's sure. been on the show a number of times. And, mm -hmm. you know, one one great uh, source of conflict that he's always uh, mined for his novels is the the fact that the reservation is or the res is, is close to, um, you know, his his small town in his books. And there's always a lot of, uh, you know political intrigue and the way this group of people um, wants to handle situations versus this group of people and how those, you know, come, you know, cause clashes and all of that. Um, what things did you decide or did you discover uh, that writing police procedurals, crime thrillers in this part of the world? What what sorts of things did you come up against that that made for for fascinating reading? Well, I, I do take a little bit of liberty on on the Talos Pueblo. There are essentially four individual um, leader groups, let's just say, as far as, as keeping, keeping peace on the reservation. Um, it's yeah. 110,000 acres. It's a massive space, uh, but there are only about 3000 residents, but um, so there is no chief, let's say overall it, uh, there's a governor and then his staff and there's the war chief and his staff. There's the, the, uh, the Taos Pueblo police department. And there's also the Taos, uh, Taos Pueblo Sheriff's Department. So none of them really necessarily interact um, unless there's a huge crisis going on. I mean, there was a there was a huge there's always a motorcycle rally that happens every year. And there was quite a lot of violence this year. And um, so in those instances, they all really, really band together and come up with a plan of, you know, how we're going to keep not only our people, our members safe, but also, um, you know, no, they live off tourism. Let's just be honest. They live off tourism, and and so they they want to to keep their entire area uh, free from conflict as much as possible. 
Gotcha. Um, where did the character of Eva Lightning Dance Duran come from? <laughs> well, that's a good question. So I, I knew uh, my agent said I, I have four publishers who, who, uh, who, who do in publishing what you do, you know, writing a native, writing native characters. Um, I said, but they won't pick up your old series. They have to come up with something completely new. And, you know, thankfully I, I had already, um, achieved so much research on, on the, the Taos Pueblo. Um, Ava isn't anyone that I know necessarily, um, yeah. amalgam of, of a little bit myself, a little bit people I've met. Um, but I hope that I've been able to convey with, with all of the native, uh, all of the Taos Pueblo people that I, that I present, you know, that, that sense of calm, you know, even when you're facing adversity, it's, you know, be the duck calm on the outside up above the water and, you know, <laughs> trying to keep up like crazy. Underneath. The way. Yeah. You can't show anybody that though, you know, it's right. that quiet calm uh, and even discussions between um, the closest of friends and so forth can be misconstrued or, you know, or taken the wrong way. So, you know, Ava is closed lipped. She's got her mission. She knows what she wants to do um, in, in book one. She's searching for her very best friend who is a former hoop dancer, champion hoop dancer. Uh, who, after an injury, um, devastating injury, her husband died, uh, as well as a few other dancers. And uh, so she was injured and then got hooked on Oxy and is now a heroin user. And so the tribe has essentially written her off, written off Paloma is her name, Paloma, um, White Dance Ario, or White Dove Oreo, Ario. And so what happens is there's connection that, that will never be broken. I mean, they're as close as, as sisters as they can be. And so she sets off to, to find her sister along with um, Paloma's 18 year old son who they, they become a, you know, her unwitting un, unwantingly uh, allows uh, uh, the son to, to help in areas that he can when she knows that she's not breaking too many rules. So I wanted that quiet calm, but, also someone so dedicated uh, and focused that she's not going to stop. She's not going to stop looking. Yeah. Um, the, the choice to make Ava a, a sheriff's deputy um, seems to me like it was a very deliberate choice. Um, why did you choose to have her in the role that she is as opposed to like the, 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 the head sheriff or uh, another member of the community? It seems like having her in this role allowed for very allowed for choices to be made with the character that, that, uh, that maybe you couldn't do if she had some other rank or, you know, some other position. Right. Completely intentional, completely 100%. I knew I didn't want her to be the boss. Um, she would never want to be a boss <laughs> because she's, you know, she's, she doesn't follow all the rules. Not, not that she goes rogue, but, um, she has her own ideas, especially of how to deal with her own people. So she is the liaison, kind of the, the bridge between, um, her, the sheriff's department and the Taos Pueblo police department and the Pueblo and her Pueblo people. So anytime there is a, um, a situation, let's just say, uh, Ava is called in to, 
to make the you know to keep the peace and and uh, and bring her people back into the fold and and walk away without any you know without any any force or uh, uh, you know nobody wants to go to nobody wants to take your own uh, you know blood brother sister cousin auntie to prison. So she does her best to keep the peace. And so, yeah, that was completely intentional. Also, um, the very first scene that came to me took place on the, on the gorge, on the, um, the gorge bridge over the Rio Grande, which is the cover. Which is the, um, the cover image. Yeah. Right. Right. The cover of your cover image. And, and I knew that's not on the reservation. That's not, that's county land. And, and it was like, okay, well, she's gotta be a, she's gotta be a deputy. Um, and that it, it, and when I made that decision, it really, really came together because then, I, then she's got relationships, not only with the sheriff's department and the sheriff, but also with the city police. So, you know, there, you know, there are the city police and then the Taos Pueblo tribe, which is her love interest is, is a, is a police officer on, on the, the Taos Pueblo um, police department. So it's, uh, it gets gotcha. to be a little bit of a sticky one. <laughs> Um, Redemption is the first book in this new series. When you first started developing um, this character and, and the setting and, you know, kind of what this was going to be, were you thinking series potential? Um, was that part of the initial discussion to, to launch this new series? Yes. I mean, that was Thomas and Mercer is my publisher. So they definitely wanted a series. It's a two book deal. Um, hopefully there will be more books in this series, but they, they start with at a time. Uh, so yeah, it was completely intentional and, you know, the character grows and evolves and I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say that Ava eventually becomes an officer with the Taos um, Pueblo Police Department. She, um, yeah. she redeems herself completely and, and, uh, and, and the only, but the only, also the, the reason why she's a sheriff's deputy also is because, uh, you know, males run the show. I mean, there are, there were only police, um, uh, male police officers and so forth on the, for the, for the, the, the tribal department. Um, and what happens, uh, during redemption is we, we find out that there will soon be a female, uh, police chief for the, for the reservation. So that, that kind of opens the door to, Oh, well, maybe I can do that now. <laughs> Nice, nice. I, I've met a number of authors over the, the last few years that have, um, for those that don't know, Thomas and Mercer is an imprint owned by Amazon. Uh, and there's a, there's a couple others, 47 North. Um, I'm, I'm blanking on the others. Um, but I've, I've heard from a number of people that working with these Amazon publishers has been a, a great experience that, that Amazon really is, is bringing everything that they've learned, you know, not only from selling books, but from having the, the, uh, KDP, uh, self-publishing platform and really empowering authors in new and interesting ways. What, what's your experience with them been like so far? It's been an absolute dream. I mean, I can't even begin to tell you how much support they've been. I was, uh, 
I have my my acquiring editor is the master. She absolutely um, she takes care of me. <laughs> she makes sure that um, that I'm being promoted properly and that that I know all the stages. And I, I don't even know how many teams there are. My um, my developmental editor John Reyes is phenomenal. I'm working with him now on book two. Um, and they all have teams in place. I mean, it's it, it's it's so well. There's so many teams that do their own little, you know, not little at all, their own massive, yeah. you know, list of of um, of items to check off. Oh, for redemption, we still need this, need this, need this. So, you know, before long before it was released, I would check the Amazon page. It's like, oh, look, there's the cover. <laughs> and then, you know, a day later, I get the JPEG of the cover so I could start promoting that. And, and um, um I had a, I sent an email uh, to my to my lead editor and and I said hey um, did they decide uh, did they approve the name so forth and so on about I don't know a week later I see on Amazon book two havoc <laughs> coming soon so it's like uh, you know it it's so, so there are a, a lot of little 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 milestones that you get to celebrate along the way um, nice. And uh, yeah, I was nominated for or uh, the Amazon um, first reads program. So, so August, all of August, I was on that. So, um, and from that generated, you know, more than 2000 ratings, uh, uh which is, so that, yeah, which is gold for launching a book. To, so is it really, yeah. really is, um, yeah, it draws interest and, um, yeah, word of mouth is, is beginning to spread and, you know, the That's full awesome. promotion, uh, you know, um, as, as with, as with you is, is phenomenal. It's just, they, they assigned me my own PR person. I feel very, very spoiled. <laughs> did, did I hear you say book two is going to be called Havoc? Yes. Um, is there a, a, uh, forecasted launch date for that? Um, well, according to Amazon, <laughs> August of 2024. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Well, Deborah, uh, Redemption, the first book in the in the Ava Lightning Dance Duran series is out now. You can go grab it. Uh, we'll put links in the show notes where you can uh, go grab it from Amazon. Uh, the audiobook also uh, launched. Mm-hmm. Have you gotten a chance to listen to that yet? Deborah? I have. I have. We uh, so BoucherCon, the huge writers conference. Oh, yeah. Uh, took place in San Diego. It was Diego, just a week so or two ago, right? Uh, yeah, I just got back. I'm still tired. <laughs> Um, yeah, we were able to celebrate the Redemption's loss during during that time. That was a lot of fun. But I but we listened to that coming and going. So, yeah, Jan, uh, Janice uh, is a fantastic narrator. I'm really really pleased. Um, and um, yeah, I wish I wish the best for that version as well. Absolutely, Redemption available everywhere now. Go grab it today. Use the links we're going to put in the show notes. Uh, Deborah, if people are just discovering you and want to dig into all the stuff that you're up to is there a a good place online where they can connect with you and follow along sure my website is deborahjledford.com so just my name spelled out and i am dj ledford at uh, twitter slash x and instagram uh deborah j ledford on uh, on facebook i have an author page and a and a personal page as well so yeah i'd love to hear from you Great. We'll link up all those places in the show notes to make it easier for folks to find you. Deborah, this has been so much fun chatting. Thank you so much for taking time to come on the show. Oh, I so appreciate this so much. You take care now. 
That's our episode for today. There's so much more to come as we talk to authors about the craft of writing, but also the business of publishing. Be sure to subscribe to the StoryCraft Cafe podcast in your favorite podcast app so that you never miss an episode. The StoryCraft Cafe is made possible by Dabble. Writing a book is challenging. Your writing tool should not be. Dabble is an easy-to-use online writing tool packed with helpful features that allow beginning novelists and published authors to create amazing stories. Visit us at dabblewriter.com and start your free trial today. Thanks for listening.